0: Like family with Brenda Donahue.
1: This Bank Holiday Monday, let's picture more families, their lives unfolding right here, right now.
2: And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donahue or email brenda at rte.ie.
1: Molly is 18. Oh my life
2: It's changing
1: Possible way. That's her dad, Donna, on Bowron.
2: And oh, my dreams is never quite as it seems. Cause you're a dream to me, dream to
1: me. Ah, ah, ah. ah. Something sustained you
2: my music obviously and um, oh god I'm watching normal people as well and I'm like in love with Paul Mescal. like you, you obviously you'd know him because he's from Kildare I wish
1: but <laughs> go ahead
2: <laughs> oh, oh I'm just besotted by and him uh, I just think it's brilliant him and Marianne um, Conal and Marianne get me a Connell.
1: <laughs> Dad Donna and Mum Helena run the local on Grattan Square in Dungarvan the day of the lockdown our accountant actually came down to pick up our books
3: and he kind of said, oh, take it easy now. You've been working too hard. You work seven days a week. This is just going to be a little economic sleep.
0: When we closed first, we did a load of work down there. We cleaned it and we varnished it and we got got that all, all out of the way. Then we came up and we did the house. And then we were sitting around for a week and saying, what we do? And then we decided we be open up our takeaway food business. And that has gotten us kind of some way back to, to reality. And it's, it's bringing in some bit of money that will take a bit of pressure off us. And in, going, the run, in the yeah.
3: long run, For us, I really miss the customers because we always say with this place on a Sunday evening, we have kind of a GA crowd and it's like, leave your feelings at the front door because when the slagging starts or somebody knows something about somebody and they've done something, the whole place gets involved. And we love nothing more than a Sunday night. The two of us, mm. when we're finished after the week, 8 o'clock, we go down, sit down at that big snog and it's just... Do you know, it's like for even the customers themselves, they miss it so much. Like for all of us, we're missing the gossip, the crack, the talk. It's just, it's, you know, the, it's grand to be having a drink up here with Donaka every night. But like, do you it's know not, what I mean? It's not the same. <laughs> it's not, not the same. Yeah,
1: no, no. And Molly. What should you have been doing today?
2: Well, today, Brenda, I'm meant to be graduating from sixth year and leaving school and finishing school and... I'm supposed to be in school now just after playing my student teacher soccer match and getting ready for the mass that we'd have tonight and our goodbyes to the teachers but that's not happening. Mm. How hard is that? I actually had a virtual graduation with all my teachers and my classmates there earlier for an hour we were on Zoom and it was lovely to catch up with everyone.
1: Did it help?
2: Um, yeah, you know, it really did help, like, I was fairly emotional now this morning when I was, when I got up out of bed, like, I was thinking, like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be finishing secondary school today, I'm actually supposed to be graduating, but look, like, the coronavirus, COVID-19, it has struck the world in so many different ways, like, listening to my parents talking about their business, that's their life. But my life was school, my life was doing my leaving cert, doing my debs, going on my sixth year holiday, turning eighteen, starting college in, in September. That's all gone and it's just everything is just uncertain and we just don't know when anything's gonna go back to normal.
1: What were your deb's plans?
2: Did you ask somebody? <laughs> have I? Did I ask someone? No, genie <laughs> man. Well, at no. least you don't have that drama. Yeah, I know. Oh God. Um, I think I was going to wait and ask someone maybe two weeks before we were. I was going to go to Independence in uh, Mitchellstown, two weeks before my Debs and my cousin actually met a lad at Indy, and she asked him a few years ago. Um, so I think I was going to do the same because I I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> um, so I don't know.
1: So cancelling the exams helped you then get your head around. Get all this. My, yeah,
2: get my head around everything because the leaving cert was the biggest thing I was worrying about because it's something that you're working towards since since you start primary school really. So it did help me in a way. It did that they did cancel them. Do you feel
1: you've been cheated out of good events in your life?
2: Oh, big time. Big time. I I re, like my 18th, my auntie Trassa, She was actually 40 on the same day that I turned 18. So we've been talking about this party that we're going to have with years since I'm about 12. <laughs> like that's what I've been looking forward to. And I didn't even get to see her on my birthday or, or her birthday. And then the leaving third holiday, of course, like that's a once in a lifetime experience. That's gone out the window as well. Uh,
1: four children loved the trampoline including Isabel who missed the milestones at the end of primary school.
4: For Isabel I felt that it was a sad end, an abrupt end to something that should have flourished for the rest of the year beyond her control, beyond the school's control, beyond even our government's control. Um, But it was still abrupt and it still brings I suppose a certain loneliness to be missing out on I suppose the little milestones she would have been encountering between March and June as she finished primary school.
2: My whole class were like pretty upset because
4: we were all looking for like talking about the
2: confirmation and everything and when we found out we weren't going back at all this year we were just like even more upset because like it's our last year and we're missing out on a lot of things that
4: a sixth class usually get to do. Um, She'd watched her older sister Maud, she'd watched her I suppose go through the passage of uh, sixth class a few years ago and I think you watch maybe from third class upwards. You're, you're keeping an eye on the, the, you know, the elder lemons in sixth class and seeing what the, the privileges they get and the fun they have coming to the end of, uh, their days, you know, in in primary school, and I suppose it's it's reasonable to say that it's it's your expectation too that they'll be there for you, you know, and when they're taken away so abruptly, um, it's natural that you would feel. I think it's it's natural you'd feel sad it is unexpected as you said it's not something you nearly budgeted
1: emotionally for so what have you said to your children about it
4: when they've said mam this is just not fair it's nothing to do with fairness, it's just unfortunate nobody is being unfair in us, nobody has done this deliberately to us, it's unfortunate that's what it is and everybody has had something um, taken from them something small or something just that will change their lives forever like if there's been a death in the family due to this so it's, it's it's not unfair anything that we've and isabel i think herself realizes that of course we get impatient that you know the lovely things are gone but we realize we put on our big picture hats and we kind of go okay you know it's unfortunate you know and beyond anybody's control.
1: Rosa should have been receiving her first Holy Communion. I'm watching Rosa play and she is totally grey crack. But she doesn't get social distancing.
4: Yeah, you're right, she doesn't get social distancing. And that's down to, I suppose, her intellectual disability. She doesn't understand, I suppose, first of all, that people need a bit of personal space on the best of days. But also, I suppose, she has poor spatial awareness. So it's difficult for her to understand and kind of get how to maintain a distance from other people. Her instinct is to get close to them and to talk to them and it's really endearing and it's lovely normally, you know, and people are so lovely and they they kind of enjoy her personality but that's not what we're supposed to be doing. On Easter Sunday we did call up to see her grandparents who live nearby and we stood in the garden and she couldn't understand how she could not give her grandmother my mother a hug and um, so, and she actually bolted out the gate and the visit had to be cut short because she just felt, I suppose, reprimanded. She felt, she just didn't understand it. And um, my poor mother, she rang me the next day and she said, look, would you just bring Rosa up for a very small, quick hug? And I said, no, mom, I can't do that. And that's really hard, you know, on both sides. I suppose I am anxious about how she will fit into this new kind of distancing um, reality that we're kind of looking at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Aoife
1: changed her career and is now an intern midwife. She's arriving back home at the end of her shift at the front line. She needs that drive back from the hospital. Yeah,
5: and I, I have a good drive. I have 40 minutes, so I have plenty of time, like whether it's Getting the radio on as loud as possible and singing along or sitting in silence sometimes is enough for if you need to have a cry on the way home and just get it out of your system. You have to process it Um, because you are a little bit scared, do you know? And there is always that little worry and that little concern. And smaller things, then I suppose, can kind of get on top of you a little bit. But no, that's the that's I suppose where you try and get back to you on the way home is that that 40 minute car journey how is that affecting you and the family i don't feel like i have the energy to do the stuff the kids want to do initially i would have started off great we were baking every day we were painting we were doing play-doh we were doing everything and as it goes on you notice and it's kind of you take stock of it sometimes where you're like oh i actually haven't done anything with them all week haven't done anything Do you know, like I bring my toddler to bed at night and read her the same story. We're a big fan of Goldilocks. We read that story every night. And the impact for her is that she doesn't want me to leave her room. Mommy, stay with me. Mommy, stay with me and hold my hand. So I stay with her, but I fall asleep with her. Because I'm absolutely wrecked. And I suppose it's lovely having that little bit of time with her where... I am reading the story with her and I am getting to spend that bit of time with her. But she has found it really difficult with mommy being at work and mommy being away. And that's that is the hard part. And then obviously with, you know, the other kids, like Grace is a little bit more direct. Like she will tell me she will say exactly what she's thinking. Like, you know, you've been working for two days, mom, and I really miss you because I don't see them in the morning or the evening when I'm working. For the eldest boy, he stresses about it. So that's maybe why the decompression coming home in the car is maybe even more important because he can read you. He's at that age where he just picks up the subtle things and, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, I know if I go in the door like that, he will know there's something wrong and then the worry starts for him, what happened, mum, is mum okay? He's 11, he shouldn't be thinking like that. So, that 40 minutes that I get in the car, vital. Of course, childcare's been
1: a big issue for frontline staff and, with three young children.
5: Mm-hmm. How has that impacted and what have you done? Childcare has been a massive issue for us. Um, because my husband is still working as well, that means that we're in a position where we've no crash. Um, both of our families would have helped us out enormously in relation to childcare, and we haven't had any of that. So we have been basically playing, uh, I suppose, passing ships for the last... 10 11 weeks, whatever days I work, he will stay at home with kids, and then when I'm off, he's at work. But that means that I don't see him because he works all of the days that I'm at home, then so that he can make up his time at work. Now, he's extremely lucky that his boss is as good as he is, that he would let him do that first of all. Do you feel that the practicalities of family life
1: with you working in the front line, with your husband working Mm. in essential services, no
5: childcare? that you're kind of holding it together by a thread. Yeah. Both of us obviously are stressed because we both have to be at work, but we have these three children that we need to take care of. And we sit there and we have these discussions about, oh, what what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do this day? And I mean, if he has a day that he has to be in work, like Mm. I don't, it's not that I can say I just can't be there. He could have a day that I'm working, that he really needs to be at work. And it's, That's the battle. That's where you start going, how do we manage this? That's when it gets really, really difficult. And simple things like us sitting and having our dinner in the evening, that's something we always did every single evening. You know, the family dinner in the evening element starts to disappear. And that was always a big thing for us. And that's hard for the kids as well. You know, not just us. It's hard
1: on them. What are the fears and stresses this COVID virus has brought to your life? If you think kind of deep down, what are what are the fears in the pit of your stomach?
5: There's always the fear that you're going to take it home with you. Absolutely, always. That's probably the big thing. You're afraid you're going to spread it. That you have it. That you're on the wards with babies, with mums. You're not symptomatic. Am I doing harm? Do you know? Which puts more pressure on you in relation to your PPE and stuff? It's fear.
4: Hmm.
5: It's fear. You are scared. You know, you're scared all the time. Um, and more probably for those around you. Could I have this and could I give this to my family? Could I have it and could I give it to a woman? Could I give it to a baby? You know, did I miss a step? You're you're scared, probably a little bit frantic by times. Um, do you know? But at the same time, you're trying to maintain that level of care to make sure that you are giving people what they need. That when I come home, that I'm switched on for the kids, that I have that five minutes to talk to Jason before I go to bed. And... Um, it feels like it's I don't know I don't even know how to describe it it's just there's that underlying fear the whole time that nervous it's like a nervous energy almost in the pit of your stomach Um, yeah it's just it's overwhelming it can be very overwhelming it can be
1: Dave, Emma and Casey are also overwhelmed, but in a different way. This is weird, because we're in a car park for Drogheda United, across from Our Lady from Lord's Hospital,
0: because you're visiting. Now, Casey, you have the news and um, my sisters were born last thursday their names are quinn kelly and minnie i actually screamed the house down i think i was so happy
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
0: like the minute i seen them i just like i just loved them so much like i seen a picture i was like oh my god these are just so cute like they're so cute
6: the, the section was quickly yeah. i was called in a quarter past nine came in beside Emma held her hand and I swear to God by 9.35 we were leaving the room with three new daughters. They
0: were all born screaming and crying and no help needed with their breathing so that was the, the proud, the first proud moment that they weren't even a minute old. <laughs> So, you're going into the hospital. What do you have to do when you go in there, Emma? When I go in there, I do all the girls' feeds and cares for as much as I can do while I'm in there, you know, on my own. It's not easy to do without somebody to help you with three babies in there, but the nurses and midwives, everybody is great. So, when I go in now, Callie and Quinn are both due their feeds and a half hour. So, I'll go in now and I'll do their nappy, their temperature, their line gets checked by the nurse, they're getting fed through the tube and fed through the teeth as well. They have to practice everything. So, we're doing that. And then Minnie will be next, and then you get to give them a little top and tail washer, bat. I got to give Quinn a bat for the first time a few days ago. And
6: Actually I'll show you the picture Brenda. Yeah. yeah. This was our first bat now but wait you see our eyes, it's so funny yeah. Look <gasps> at our eyes God
4: they're huge!
6: Look <gasps> at our eyes, the first one going into the water
1: <laughs> She's like, how dare you <laughs>
6: But yeah, she didn't, she didn't like, like that too much Can you no. see that properly there? Yeah?
1: I can, yeah
6: Skill cool though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, what the all hell the
1: is tubes free- are a bit freaky though, aren't they?
6: Yeah, well, that's just a feeding tube in the nose, like that's all that is. Yeah. So, you don't understand that with preemie babies.
1: She
0: looks very oh. hale and
1: hearty. I mean,
0: she'll chubby, are, goodly baby Oh, come here, they're, they're all great. Like, I mean, Kelly, as I said, she was born a 4.4, and then we have Quinn that was born a 4 pound, and then Minnie, it was 3.5.
6: Brenda, every time they sent a picture to me, I'm getting overwhelmed, and I just I'm not much for crying, but I, I can feel the tears leaking out. I am try to hide them so no one can see but i'm not great at hiding them at all i'm not <laughs> but uh yeah it's a weird feel just butterflies in my stomach and just like me boys well up it's just it's crazy
0: i just took a little video of quinn and it was just a little few hiccups or whatever it was the cutest thing i ever seen when i sent it to david last night um, when he was at work and we were like sending each other voice messages, then talking, like, you know. And I think I must have watched that video about 15 times. I think we, me and Casey watched it in the bed three or four times. Casey kept on saying, um, I'm playing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing again. Played again. So, yeah.
1: Is this whole setup really hard? Coming here, hanging around the car park while Emma goes in and feeds them.
6: You're not getting to see the. Well, we knew from the start and we found it to our triplets that they were going to be born premature, you know. So well, I was kind of prepare, mentally prepared myself for the NICU, you know what I mean? But then this coronavirus came in, just smacked me right in the mouth. Like, I can't go into the hospital, I can't see them. So, like, I think I've accepted it and I'm dealing with it, or I'm just. I don't know if I'm dealing with i just burying the emotion, you know. One idea though, but I, I tried to put on a brave face so I don't scare Emma too much. I make <laughs> her feel too guilty, you know, that she can see and hug and kiss the babies and I can just smell her afterwards.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Casey, what's the first thing you're going to do? When you get your hands on your three new sisters
0: I already have it planned out I'm going to sit on the couch And I'm going to put like a cushion So I can support their little heads And I can just hug them I'm not going to leave their side all day (laughs) (laughs) Everyone might be getting sick of me holding them But I'm not letting them go I'm not letting them go again
1: Casey is learning how to be a big sister Mikey is also a big sister. She and the younger children moved from the Philippines to Ireland after their mother died. Their father, Miguel, had been working here to support the family. He died in May from COVID-19. At 21, Mikey is now head of the family.
7: There's one day that I heard my dad coughing, started coughing, and then I asked him if if he is okay and then he told me he's fine and then the next morning he was like he's not feeling well already so
1: the ambulance was called and he went to hospital is that right?
7: he told me to ring the ambulance ambulance, because he can't uh, he has a difficulty of breathing um, that's when the first time that I saw him having a difficulty I rang the ambulance and then that was it but we're not really worried at all because we, we thought he will be fine. But then the next morning, um, the nurse from the ICU rang us and told us that my dad was critical.
1: And how many days was he in ICU?
7: 41 days. And
1: what were you thinking during those 41 days?
7: During the first and second week, it was very hard because during the second week, my auntie was sent to the hospital as well. And then it was us at home, and then we have no um, financial support because my dad's um, ATM ATM card, he has it in the hospital. So yeah, that's why um, all the Filipino community decided to bring us food we can't go outside because we're on isolation as well all of us in the house so and
1: what did you say to your younger brothers and sisters at that time
7: during the second week i started telling them um what happened because the doctors started telling me that they are worried because that might not be able to make it so it was very hard for me Telling them that news, very bad news.
1: That's an awful lot to bear for you, Mikey, at 21.
7: Um, We know, they know that we only have our dad because we lost our mom. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we are all worried and I just keep telling them that let's just pray for his recovery.
1: So, unfortunately, your dad didn't make it. When did you hear or what happened?
7: It was when the doctor started to invite us to the ICU to visit him because maybe they know that my dad wouldn't live that long.
1: Did you feel you were saying goodbye?
7: Yes, when we went there, I can see it, that he's really in pain. Mm. So it's very heartbreaking.
1: Did you talk to him?
7: Yeah, I talked to him. Uh, I told him that... He don't need to be worried about us because I will stand as a guardian for my brothers and sisters. And he know that with the help also with my auntie.
1: Did you feel you gave him some comfort saying that?
7: I'd say, yeah, I did, especially when I offered if he wants to see my brothers and sisters through video chat. So, yeah... After the video, video call, um, he, desi- he managed to close his eyes and then lasted for two more hours before he left, before he was gone.
1: How important is it to keep you all together?
7: It is very important because we're afraid to lose his, each other. And we love each other so much. And we grew up, the four of us, all together.
1: What's going to happen now, do you think? Will you stay
7: in Ireland? If we can stay in Ireland, it would be an honour for us. Because we, with my brothers and sisters, they want to stay in Ireland. And so do I. So hopefully, but we don't know yet.
1: That's it from Like Family. Thanks to all our families for giving us a picture of their family life in Pandemic Ireland. Thank you for listening. And this programme was produced by Eileen Hearn.